Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And it's live. Yeah. So here we are. Another session about to begin. Epic podcast. I'm stoked. My guest today, social media pioneer. What does that even mean? It's like playing Oregon Trail, but with social media. Digital Trailblazer, award-winning digital program strategist for B2B and B2C companies. He's been at groups that awarded the Mid-Size Healthcare Agency of the Year, the Social Media Agency of the Year. I think he knows a few things. He's worked with brands like Nestle, making me hungry, Butterfingers, what? Uh, those things always get stuck in your teeth. UPS, Lexus, Mott's. He is the constructionist at Social Construction. The man, the myth himself. Jeremy Murator. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, Casey. Great to be here. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I got to send you a check, maybe a couple. That's, uh, that's one heck of an intro. Thank you. You, yeah. I'll, I'll send you my address right after that. No problemo. <laughs> or an invoice. Check an invoice. Would that be helpful for taxes? Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you know, can... Get it through like, you know, no paper. That's that's fantastic. That's right. You know? Oh yeah, all cash, right? Just send me send me the cash. Yeah, yep. no paper trail. Yeah, done. Yeah, I don't think anyone from the IRS is listening to this show, but if they are, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hey man, it's our it's our marketing leadership series, and and I'm stoked to talk to you. You get all the accolades and all the awards and everything. I gotta know, um, what can you possibly crush today? So here, let me pass you this thing. It's heavy for okay. me, but I know you work out. Here you go. Thor's hammer. Got it? Yeah. All right, man. We'll take Thor's hammer and crush for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Sure. So, you know, been in the game for so long, you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, there's different myths that need smashing. But, you know, let's start off with a, an oldie but goodie and see where that takes us. So yeah. social media is free. Social media is free. Yeah, is that, that's one you've heard, you know, and yeah. everybody's been talking about it. I feel like, you know, in this day and the age, if you are still believing that it's free, uh, it doesn't cost anything, we can, you know, pretty much you know, put like the most junior person on the team, you know, on a social and just let them go without strategy and direction. You know, it's, uh, it's great. What, what harm could they do? Right. Right. You know, so th th this clearly, this is the myth it's, it's not free. It's, it's not free and it's not the inexperienced, you know, no, no strategy approach to like, let some just outsource that to somebody else. Yeah. The interns in IL five. No. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, you think folks would, would get by now um, and understand, you know, it's, it's funny, um, you know, back in 2006, when kind of social media first got off the ground and folks were, you know, taking notice at, you know, the amazing results, you know, all the, the craziness with viral multipliers and, you know, all that kind of good stuff when you actually could, you know, roll out a brand and launch it free on Facebook, right? Yeah. You know, back in the days of, you know, 80%, um, you know, of your page likes would see your message when you post from the, you know, from a brand, right? That's just not the way it is these days. And, you know, it pains me down to the core when, you know, folks just say, hey, let's just, 
you know, put out content, mm-hmm. you know, let's just put it out there. Let's just spend our time. We'll, we'll test and learn. We'll get it up there. Yeah. You want to test and learn, but if you want to see the results at the end of the day, um, you know, you have to make sure you're reaching the right audience with the right content, the right message at the right time, all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, you can turn on, you know, a podcast, you can look up, you know, tips and trends for the best time to post and all that stuff. You know, everybody is worried about how many times a day they're posting, you know, mm-hmm. and honestly, you, you can get stuck in the hamster wheel pretty quick. Uh, you know, that continuous cycle of just cranking out content and, you know, just seeing, oh, hey, we got some vanity metrics today, right? We got some likes. Yeah. We got, you know, five more than yesterday. Great. Well, you know, the folks who have really been in the game, you know, for a long time and have kind of evolved and matured really to that, that ultimate pantheon level, you know, really know that, you know, the best way if you're launching, you know, brand, you know, you've got time. Time is a a limited fixed resource, right? So if you've got a small team and you've got, you know, a mountain of things to do on your to-do list, right? You know, building organic and the slow growth model is is very altruistic. You know, it feels Mm. good. You're like, yeah, I'm being authentic. I'm going out there. I'm going to, you know, um, start small. It's it's a great story, but it's not always sustainable, right? You have to drive the results you need to grow and scale an audience you need to you know establish connection you got to tell your brand story all those kind of you know things that everybody preaches about you know the way i've always looked at it is social media didn't start out as social organic it was social media for a reason right so most people don't know this but um if you go back and and look at some of the history you know those brand channels, those, you know, big things that, you know, social media companies used to sell uh, were actually, you know, the value add, right? Mm. So taking it back to the days of MySpace back in 06, right? So, you know, the pitch went something like this, hey, um, we want you to buy, you know, ads on MySpace, you know, it'll be run a site, you know, you guys can have, you know, homepage, you can have, you know, these different ad units, etc. Oh, and by the way, yeah, we'll, you know, give you a space where you can set up shop, you know, it'll, you know, be customizable. You can reskin it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here's, here's the cost, right? So, you know, it's like right, right from day one, there was a cost and, you know, they actually charged you and tried to re-up the agreement, you know, to keep that community that you just, you know, kind of drove activity and engagement and built up an audience. The whole play, you know, the next quarter was, Hey, you know, you just built up an audience um, <laughs> by in order to keep it. And I was like, wait a second. So we just spent all this time and energy kind of driving folks to our MySpace page and building up, you know, a following and some engagement. And you're telling me I actually have to re-up my, you know, hefty six-figure ad buy, you know, for the next quarter in order to keep the page and keep it active and move things around. And and that's that's the history that most folks don't don't understand. Like it mm. actually started out you know, in this paper play and then Facebook came along and kind of went the exact opposite approach and you actually had organic reach. And that was, you know, the secret sauce to Facebook success for a lot of years. Um, it really was a very cheap, efficient way to reach, you know, an audience at scale as a brand. And, 
you know, that's just kind of trickled and, you know, over time, over the last like 10 years, Facebook has kind of turned off the fire hose, right? So they've mm-hmm. cut back on the organic reach of a post and really, you know, tried to get folks more accustomed and, and paid more, you know, for ads, right? You know, they've got to make their money and you know, all that kind of good stuff. And so over time, they just kind of shrink it. And you can see that as, you know, definitely carried over to LinkedIn. You know, if you're a new brand and especially in the B2B space, you're trying to set up shop, launch a new brand, you can either, you know, again, slow drip out content, you know, mm-hmm. on a daily basis and just kind of hope you get into the right, you know, uh, person's feed, the right stream, leverage your, you know, connections and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that stuff isn't important. I'm just saying that if you've got something of value from a social media perspective, right, you got a white paper, you got a podcast you think is interesting, you've got an infographic, you've got something important to say as part of your brand narrative, you know, it is so relatively cheap and inexpensive to kind of pay to get it in front of the right folks to at least start the conversation mm-hmm. that it is kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive not to, not to try that approach first. Right. You know, some folks will say, Oh yeah, you're, you're paying to get in front of, you know, folks, you know, it doesn't feel real. It's not authentic. Well, you know, you can definitely go down that route as a brand and not feel all, cheesy it's, it's all about how you design the the promoted content and and that's why you know it's it's not free like if you look at the the hours it takes to produce content the time and energy it takes to you know kind of go out go down that slow growth path yeah sure you know if you put a you know a less expensive resource on the task or heck even if you hire somebody you know with a hefty price tag to come in and kind of try that approach you know there's there's ex- ex- plenty of examples where that that myth that I'm busting can totally be busted, right? But it's just a harder, you know, barrier to overcome, you know, depending on your maturity and kind of where you are from a brand life cycle stage. So that's that's my long-winded, really soapboxy kind of way of answering the question. And we're trying to bust the myth. I don't even know if it was successful or not, but I think you so. know, it, uh, yeah. Well. It, a couple points come to mind right on that. Um, this is this is unique. You know, I've, I've done a lot of interviews, right? I've talked to a lot of people, and this is something that I feel like a couple synapses on my brain have connected, right? Um, I get the the social media not being free because of time, and I think sometimes people forget about that. It's like actually your time costs money, even if you did the math on like a person, even if it's a junior person, even if it's an intern. You do the math on how much you're paying them per hour or whatnot. Great. That's how much you, much you spent. If you spent 5K or 30K or whatever, even a junior, like, okay, you actually spent 30K. What did you get back from it? You got, you back, got back likes? Is, it, is that what you're looking for? Like people's time count too. And also if you're managing them, the time that you spend into that counts. If you're not managing them, that sounds like it's even worse because you're, now you're just kind of like sinking money into time money into a, into a hole resources into a hole. And, and, and that makes sense. But I think you, you kind of expanded to this even more interesting, more interesting, this, this uh, related topic, which is the altruism of going organic (laughs) idea that because it's free, it's not, we're not, I don't know. It's something, and I, I have so many thoughts around it, but it's like, it's almost like we're trying to avoid being salesy. Like, uh, yeah. well, if we wanted to be a sales rep and cold call people, you know, like what, what in our minds we think sales reps are, then 
then we would just pay for ads and like go after people and be aggressive and ask for the sale. No, 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 no. We're going to be very hands off, just like the way it should be. Like the purest form of marketing is to allow people to come inbound and then come, come children, you know, build it and they will come. Uh, and, and I wonder, I mean, I, I have some, some thoughts on that. Like I know a lot of us grew up around the days of HubSpot who was like, look, we got an inbound tool. Let's make sure we brainwash the nation into thinking that, you know, the, the purest way to do it is just to blog the hell out of yourself and, and hope that people will come and hope that Google yeah. doesn't change the algorithm. But almost like, maybe not just HubSpot, but vendors saying like, oh, buy our stuff. This is the direction to go in might be it. Well, contributing to that because I, I too have had that same mentality. You brought it up like, hey, what's the big deal with the ads, right? What's the big deal? Well, uh, yeah, you, you hit on a, a couple of excellent things and we, we can riff on any one of those points. Right. For, for, <laughs> so, you know, let me, let me just build off that last point you made for, for a second and sure. kind of go. It's like, you know, what are the underlying motives in a strategy, right? So you got to think about who you're talking to and, you know, really depending on, you know, who's kind of owning and running social, kind of what their background and experience set is, and really, you know, where, where the lines of division, you know, fall in your company is kind of the answer to that question, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, going back in the day, um, you know, when I was working on Nestle back in LA, you know, we were the digital AOR. And so, you know, back in 06 to 09, there was that whole power struggle. It's still going on today. You know, nothing's, nothing's really changed. And it's, it's a shame because, you know, when you kind of can work together and actually be social and align, you know, your multi-channel, you know, programs with your social media and have, your brand attributes being that overarching umbrella to guide yeah. the conversation, you know, that's, that's when the magic happens. Right. But if you right. think about, you know, the genesis of, you know, the different strategies and approaches that have arisen coming from the PR agency, coming yeah. from the digital agency, coming from, you know, the consultants and the, you know, it, it really is interesting because it's, they're different schools of thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. There are folks, you know, you think about the services that they sell, it's reputation management, it's brand, you know, monitoring, it's, you got to go back and trace it all the way back to, you know, what they did before social media was there, right? And, you know, you expand that into, you know, the advertising agencies, if you've got an advertising agency, you're just gonna, you know, try to sell, you know, more ads. And then once yep. you kind of, you know, get folks, you know, bought into your approach, then you're going to try to expand out and, you know, bring the other pieces together. It's like mm -hmm. the, you know, the one ring that rules them all. It, right. it really is true, right? You know, so you can, we can talk about that conversation from a data perspective or from, you know, a social media perspective, right? You know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a great topic and there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's just that, you know, it's a starting point. And when you're having a conversation, you have to start somewhere, right? So, yeah. you know, if you're more corporate, if you're more structured, you know, you kind of put the eggs in the PR basket. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, you're integrating, you know, all functions of social at the enterprise level. You've got your, you know, HR, customer service, you're going down the social business path, right? Yeah. But if you're, you know, a startup CPG brand, you know, and you're trying to, you know, get folks to, you know, 
see your toothpaste different than, mm -hmm. you know, the 500 toothpaste out there or to launch a craft brew, you know, which in an oversaturated market, you know, that's where you have a different playbook and a different, um, you know, priority list. Right. So, right. you know, that's, I guess, you know, another bit myth we can, you know, really bust, you know, it's like a, a social media strategy is a one size fits all, right. You know, you've got folks who'll say, Oh, Hey, you know, if you're running your business, you know, these are the, the five or six things. And, and the reality is, unless you're actually inside that organization and kind of see what, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what things have been tried, what things have failed, what things, um, you know, are happening in other parts of the business, right? Yeah. You know, you're not really going to have enough information to put together the best strategy and mm -hmm. have the the best results from it, right? It's like, here, we, we can play the game with, with your company, with my company, with any company right. out there. And, you know, the reality is, whatever is public facing, you know, there's a, there's a time delay, right? Mm -hmm. as, as much as we, you know, do the real time thing, you know, do Facebook Live, LinkedIn, you know, going live there, whatever. You know, most folks don't see all the work behind the scenes that go into it and think, oh, shoot, hey, this is what they're doing now. Well, the mm -hmm. best companies, if you go back to, you know, any industry vertical out there, you know, retail usually works on a two year, you know, fast forward where they're planning out, you know, what's going to be hot, you know, two years from now, food and beverage, same sort of thing. You're, you know, looking at food trends and trying to project, you know, two to three years into the future and then working, you know, at your pinnacle of influence at like the, the white tablecloth establishments and then kind of bring yeah. that down into to fast food. Right. So, you know, same thing with influencers, you know, you can look at, you know, one, one path that folks will go from a strategy perspective is, you know, we got to partner with a great influencer. They've got, you know, a built-in network, you know, you know, a million, you know, folks that are, you know, speaking our language, you know, they're totally the best way to, to reach our audience. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the reality is, you know, you're, you're not unique. You know, there's probably other folks out there trying to tap those same folks. And at the end of the day, you know, really, are you a, a great fit? You, you know, Sure. You know, Kim Kardashian's had a ton, ton of success, right? And we can kind of look at that model and go, oh yeah, you know what? Everybody should race to be an influencer and build up their following. And, you know, but, but again, to your point about being altruistic, it's like, you know, where do you draw the line between, you know, promoted self-promotion, you know, doing the, the product placements and endorsements, Star Wars, right? It's like, right. yeah, you know, it's, you know, there's so many, so many different paths to take. And there is no right answer, right? You know, there is no magic bullet. There is no, you know, right answer for everybody. You have to go through the journey of figuring that out for yourself. And no matter how many, um, you know, time, how many blogs you read or, you know, how many um, podcasts you attend or, you know, how many experts you listen to, if you can't pick up insight and translate that and bring it back internally to your organization and figure out how it's going to work best for you, with your team members working together as a team to figure this stuff out, you know, you're not gonna, you know, replicate the success that others have had. Right. You know, well, I think it sounds like heresy though, you know, honestly, because I think the people, people that listen to this podcast are brilliant and uh, they're, they're basically, if not already CMOs will soon be CMOs just from the sheer knowledge collected over this thing. But I, I get the, I get the overall point. I'm kind of kidding around anyways, but, the idea yeah. there's no server bullet strategy or, uh, you know, software. We, we complain a lot about how there's no like tech that will magically solve your problems. 
you got to do the thinking up in the top of your brain here first, you know, do the strategy thought process of like, what's the goal you're trying to accomplish? How can we make that happen? And, and, and really gathering things and testing things. You can't just, you know, listen to, you know, one podcast, except for this one, this one, you should oh, just listen course. to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm everything my audience. definitely not. Yeah, I just told all your subscribers to you know stop attending podcasts and, and get back to talking to your teams, right? right. But um, exactly, you know, it's that that's that's the biggest thing, right? It's like it's talking, right? So if if you're in social and you're trying to have conversations, you know, you have to talk to around the org. You know, whether you're building out your content pipeline or looking at measurement or you know really figuring it out you know, what's interesting and happening that you can kind of translate into, you know, amazing content, right? You have mm -hmm. to have your ground, right? You gotta, you gotta do the work, right? You gotta have the ideas up here, but then they have to connect to your hands and they have yeah. to connect to your output. And then that has to translate into great content that's gonna resonate and connect with your audience, right? So, you know, that's, a, that's another thing, you know, folks um, tend to, you know, I don't want to say fail at, but they mm. tend to lose sight at. It's like, yeah, oh, we, we invested so much in this social strategy, we're just going to hand it off to somebody else to, you know, uh -huh. execute, right? You know, that's that's always a good one. It's like, oh yeah, you know, we'll just pay you for the ideas, and you know, our team will go ahead and, and run with it, right? Well, yeah, well, I think there's a risk yeah. there. I think what people forget, and I was just kind of thinking this myself right now, is that, you know, we do all this editing and this thought process around what to put in an email. You have drafts back and forth. Is this our brand? Does this look right? Is this written right? Does this look salesy? Yeah. And we did a workshop um, like last week and it being like a two hour workshop where we just critiqued emails and talked about <laughs> what was right and right. It was awesome. It was fun. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that happens is you realize like most people get those things wrong. Well, every single tweet, every single Facebook share, LinkedIn share is like an email. It doesn't, doesn't get to the inbox, right? But it has the potential to get into someone's eyes and that's got to be on message. It's got to be your brand. It's got to be something that either pluses or minuses what, where it's coming from. So it, it matters. Yeah. It totally you can't, to your point earlier, you can't just, you know, chuck it in the hands of someone. I will say though, my younger friends tend to get it and they just need to be sort of like caught up to who is the brand. If hopefully the brand knows who they are, Hey, this is how we are. So when you're, you know, being us, on on social this is who we are don't necessarily be you know yourself to that person managing it be the brand not necessarily yeah. yourself and i maybe the two match up and that's even better but you want to be cognizant of that well well that's it right so you know you have to lay the ground rules it's, it's almost like you know playing a part uh in a movie right yeah so you've got your guidelines you got to go in character you got to put your brand hat on you know you got to understand uh you know what's acceptable what's not you got to embody the brand especially if you're going to be writing um but but you know that's that's something else right it's um a lot of folks think that hey we're just going to hire a social media person they're going to do everything right you know it's like hey you know we're going to find that that person who like you said um you know can you know, with a little coaching, a little bit of training, you know, speak the brand. Sure. But, you know, we also expect them to produce the content in some cases, you know, write the copy, yep. you know, hop into the video editing, you know, suite, you know, can build some, some nice creative or, or at least work with a team or an agency or, or somebody to do it. Yeah. And it's funny, like depending on, 
you know, who you talk to, if they haven't actually risen the ranks and done the work and seen, you know, how to do it right and all that work effort and all the different things you kind of have to know mm -hmm. in order to, your point, craft that perfect tweet or to um, put something on brand and on message like every single time. Yeah. Uh, they're like, oh, they take it for granted. It's like, oh, look, you know, I can go on Facebook right now. I can type this in and hit send and, mm -hmm. you know, get it out. done. Well, yeah. Did you remember to put tracking tags on there? Did you remember to include, you know, key message and your brand attributes? You know, have you, you know, tagged the right folks? Have you, you know, there's all these different things to think about. And to your point, you know, you could probably pick, you know, 50 examples which is a huge sample set, but you could probably pick like five, right? And you'll see the same sorts of, you know, things that need improvement. Um, you can kind of tell just by looking at, you know, a feed or a stream for a bit, you know, kind of what their strategy is, you know, give or take. But you also have to remember that every, every feed's different. So the algorithms these days, you know, add so many interesting dynamics, the same way that the search algorithms kind of customize, you know, everything based on, um, you know, behavior, engagement, uh, social connections, interactions, you know, recommendation sets, all that kind of good stuff. You know, if you don't really understand how the algorithms work, you can't mm -hmm. really get the system, right? You know, so a lot of the, you know, the folks, again, depending on where you sit in your history and background from a social perspective, they'll be like, oh, you know, they, they, they don't understand data, right? And they don't right. necessarily understand how, to leverage the data, to play the game mm. and master the system that the architects have built. And you got to understand the rules of the system. So it's like video right. game dynamics, right? Right. So, yeah, I don't know about you, but um, I grew up playing, you know, video games, sleepovers, yeah. you know, staying up all night playing Metroid and, you know, Legend of Zelda and all that kind of stuff. Of course. Know? I feel like we need right. to play those now. Like, like all Seriously. the games have turned into like little like pay per play bullshit you know when it's like we we did games better back in our day well think about it right yes and no so like the console games the whole at home experience was much better but yeah you get that same level of gameplay and that same like you know time investment right like you could buy a 50 dollars cartridge on nintendo and spend you know a thousand hours on it right yeah. but if you're in the arcade you were popping quarters like every like, you know, couple of minutes and it was a completely different experience. Right. So mm. it's, it's kind of like, it's video game dynamics, man. You got to understand. Okay. The yeah, tell me about this. Okay. What are the dynamics? Okay. So like everybody talks about content and being king, right? So you got to understand content, right? Then you got to understand your audience, right? It's basic communication theory. You know, you've got a, you got a sender, get a message communicating through a channel to hit a receiver you know yeah. if you basically boil that down back to that basic basic message you know theory and, and structure then you can start layering on your your segmentation strategy your, your personas and really start tailoring the message to what's going to resonate with groups of people right and you know we know with automation these days you know, we're getting closer and closer to getting to that, you know, one-to-one -one personalized journey. And, yeah. you know, the amount of content you actually have to run, you know, a program like that, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we can spend hours just trying to talk through, you know, the systems and the logic and, and how you build those types of things. But, you know, just if you can kind of think about it in a smaller sense and then you replicate and you scale, it's just, you know, understanding what's going to resonate 
and establish connection, right? And then you, you got to have the data, you know, set up to measurement, you know, models and frameworks to understand what, what it is you're trying to measure, what are yeah. you trying to do? You know, most folks, you know, will push out different content and, and test and learn, but they forget to bake the key message or the testing variable at that level into, you know, the social media, you know, tracking. You know, it's funny, like I worked on, you know, a couple of years ago with a company and they wanted to, you know, roll out, you know, their brand pillar messaging and understand, mm -hmm. you know, the impact, you know, around brand pillars. Well, you know, one of the first things we did was try to map content back to each one of the brand pillars and try putting those into different okay. bucket content themes, right? And then once we were able to do that, we were able to kind of craft our content calendar around those key pillars. Oh, cool. And then make into our tracking tags, you know, each one of those key pillars. So at the end of the day, you know, most teams struggle sometimes where they'll come up with these objectives, but not carry it through with the tactical measurement elements that you need to show whether or not what you're trying to prove is, is valid or not, right? Were you right. successful? So, you know, it's funny. Um, I'll list on my profile that, um, you know, I worked on the brain activation campaign of the year and you say, okay, that sounds awesome and impressive, but yeah. what the heck is it? What, what is well, that? It's, yeah. It's a, it's a PR award, right? And it's like, oh, you must've been working, you know, with the PR team or on the PR team. I'm like, no, actually I was at the digital agency and we were part of a multi, you know, agency team working on this campaign for the brand. They're like, well, why, why are you listening you know, that on, on your credentials. Well, it's like, well, I, I kind of helped the PR team with the digital measurement mm. and we had the website, we had the social footprint. And honestly, it's the numbers that we were able to produce and hand off to show the success of the program that contributed to them winning the award, right? It's like, you got to think about the case study. You got to think about, you know, at the end of the day, um, there's the, uh, there's the success story, right? You know, and right. this is, most folks will kind of plan and, and forward think. I like to work in reverse. Like, do you work okay. in reverse? Do you, do you, do you know, know. Tell, what I'm talking about? How or? so? How do, how do you do the reverse thing? So you reverse engineer success. Okay. Like, like here's the goal. What are the goal, objective? Hey, here's what we did last year. And, you know, let's, you know, put an extra 20% on it. Do right? you do that for triathlons? Because I, I know that you do those. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And we could talk about, you know, try it. And that's the thing. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, my love of data and just comfort with numbers all goes back to statistics around sports, whether it be triathlon or fantasy baseball. Um, you know, we could, we could go on for hours on any one of those topics. But like, right? but do you, to your original point, do you back engineer, like, I don't know, have you done like an Ironman or you like a half or? Um, yeah, so I haven't done I've any done, of those. So I've only done sprints. So anything you say will be impressive. Ah, oh, gosh, please, man. You know, it's impressive <laughs> just getting out there and doing sure. something. I mean, triathlon is one of those sports where you can toe the line with the best in the world, right? You get to the starting line, you look around, you know, everybody's wearing wetsuits. You don't know if the person standing next to you is like a, you know, Olympic champion. Well, right. technically they're going to be in the pro Pro division, they'll probably yeah. get the Europe. I'm not standing next to them in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, that's the thing. You yeah. know, it's a great equalizer. You know, those types of races, you've got a starting line, you got a finish line. Everybody has to go through 
you know, the same course. Yeah, there's going to be variables, you know, you can have equipment malfunctions, you know, you got to deal with the elements and all Where that stuff. Where your bike is in transition. Well, yeah, it's stuff like that. You know, I actually blew out a chain on, you know, a bike. I was in, uh, in New York racing the New York triathlon about 10 years ago or 15. I was like at my heyday, I was like peak, peak performance. You know, I'd crushed the run. I was in like third, you know, position in my age group, you know, out really? on the bike. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I guess I'm cranking too hard on the, the shaft and, you know, my chain splits. Wait, wait. So you're third at the end of the run at the swim. And then you oh, get into. Well, so they canceled the swim that year because what? of that. So they canceled like Wimps, yeah, New York. They canceled the swim. I mean, who doesn't want to swim in the Hudson around garbage? But um, yeah, like everyone. <laughs> you did the run first, then the bike? Yeah. So it's weird because don't you always train bike, then run? Run off the bike workout? Actually, you know, it. It played to my strength. So I ran yeah. track and cross in college. So okay. I was like, man, this is, this is like the best day ever, right? I'm going to yeah. crush this. My family was waiting in Central Park, you know? Uh -huh. So I was like, oh, man, I'm flying. And, I, you know, I actually ran into, uh, you know, two guys I went to high school with, you wow. know, they were in the race, you know, and I, they were like, yeah, go, man. I, I gave them the thumbs up and I was, you know, headed into transition. I was like crushing the run. I, I pulled into transition, you know, in first position, I'm like, Dude, this is like wow. best day ever. I'm, I'm like crushing it. And then I get out there and then the chain snaps. And then you're like. Like full on snap, like broke, broke. Oh, dude. Like, yeah. Oh, it's man. like, it wasn't a chain. It was just like a single, single Locking line, right? Over here. Yeah. Like, what, what do you do, right? right? And so I was, I was still a, a novice at the time, right? You know, I was still trying to figure this out. I had a couple of years of experience, but, you know, it's a ton of stuff to learn. And I didn't have a chain tool. Like chain who, tool. who carries a chain tool? So a chain tool is heavy, you know, and it's something that you don't ever need. So you're like, okay, you know, I'm trying to be light and efficient, you know? Yeah. Well, my chain's not going to pop. You I know, got I a flat a kit, but I don't have a chain tool. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, what that meant was I basically had to take myself out of the race. I sat there after, you know, crushing it and I just watched Man. everybody and their mother or father and little, little sister and brother, everybody just passed. Everybody. Everybody passed. And so I had to just sit there and watch. And it's, it's things like that that are so humbling Ooh, and yeah. are so, um, you know, bigger than you, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's people reminded you that like, look, you know, it's, <laughs> you could have, you know, ton of success. You could, you know, be in the best shape of your life. You could, you know, be prepared to, you know, launch a big campaign. And then, you know, if you get too feeling too good or a little too overconfident, all it takes is something like that to happen. And, yeah. you know, plenty of examples of brands failing in social out there, right? You yeah. know, folks that, you know, forgot to disconnect their, um, their personal accounts oh, from man. their Was it like Remember Chevrolet, Chevy or someone did that? Yeah, remember when the, you know you actually had to be mindful of that because the, the technology hadn't caught up to the use cases, right? You know, yeah. so you had, you know, you were running social media from your personal accounts, and then you had to switch over and the cumbersome, you know, am I logged into the brand account or am I logged into my account? And oh man, luckily, you know, the biggest thing I'll say is like, knock on wood, 
haven't had a big social media fail. I've, I've had right. you know, some things, but, you know, luckily, uh, you know, I escaped. You know, I made it out of the trenches, knock on wood, without, like, you know, completely royally, you know, screwing things up. So, I mean, it's, it's a terrible story. It's a great story. It's terrible for you. Um, and I'll share, oh. I'll share one with you. I, I something similar, not a chain, though. Um, don't they have like crews that can like fix your bike or like is there only the pros right or you know there's there's pit crews right but you gotta uh, understand there's no like race i mean i guess i've done some local tries where they have like the local bike shop is kind of like patrolling to see if anyone <laughs> needs any help it was but... a national qualifier event right so like when you get into that and you get into like how do you even get home how do you get your, your well they had, somebody, a... they had somebody pick me up but they wouldn't fix my bike Cause that's like, that's assistance. That's a, ah, uh, <laughs> shit, man. Yeah. So they gave me a ride back. You know, I, I sat on the course for two hours and you know, again, two hours just what, dude, that's like mental torture watching everyone go by. Were you like well, in the middle too, like mile five and it's like, you can, I was mile seven. I was all the way up the, you know, the Henry Hudson, you know, I was up by uh, you know, 180th street or something like that, you know, cause they, did a great job they closed everything down and yeah. you know if you get a chance to like do some of those tries like you know try finding you know a city a course you know try to turn that into like you know your vacation if yeah you and you know go down to disney they put on some great events or mm -hmm. you know just just try to do something that's unique that takes you to a different place you know it's right. it's the journey it's the the story it's you know ultimately you'll have a you know a race day that you can kind of you know, write home about, right? You know, and right. that's what you got to remember, right? It's, you can't focus on the outcomes. You got to remember that it's the journey that got you there that is part of the story, right? Like, you know, if I said, oh yeah, nothing happened on the New York triathlon. I just kind of, you know, went through, you know, finished through to my age group, you know, went on to nationals. Great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do, you, do you do anything differently? Is there anything I can do to prevent that from happening? Or is it just like a fluke that your chain breaks? Yeah. So it's, it's too much torque, I guess, right? You know, you're too you, powerful, you, man. No wonder you had Thor's hammer. Uh, it's, it's, well, that's the thing, you know. I, I, there are so many other people out there that are so much faster and so much stronger. So and their chain didn't break. <laughs> exactly, their chain didn't break. What so, the hell, know, chain? Exactly. You still have the chain. I feel like you need to keep um, it on a mantle somewhere or just throw it away. <laughs> no, but, but funny story you say that. So have you yeah. ever, like, you know, did something like that? where you kind of like tortured yourself, you know, or kept that constant reminder, like, yeah. What is it? What is it for you? Like, did did you, did you do something like that? Well, for me, I it was on a try as well. And, and for people listening, if you've never you know, seen a triathlon or done one, there's a lot of equipment. There's, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things you need to bring with you. And, you know, Operation. I'm, not the, I'm not the best planner. It sounds like you're a way better planner than I am. So I just need to, spend more time with you and just be around you. So it rubs off on me. But uh, so I've done a bunch of tries at this point. I don't do like the be beginner group. So I'm kind of doing age group. My goal is just not to come in last, right? Don't, don't be the worst person in my age group because it means there's something wrong. Um, so second, third to last, totally cool, but just, just do it. And um, so I've been, I've done a bunch and one time I forgot goggles Imagine that for a swim. It's like, you kind of need that. But one of the guys running the pool was like, I got an extra pair. Here you go. It was great. <laughs> but this more recent time, I think it was last year before they canceled all of them. Uh, I got to 
you know, I drove down there, got in there, it was all kitted up, ready to rock. You got to walk your bike into the transition ring. You know how this goes, right? You yeah. get set up ahead of time, 4.30, right? Early, yeah. you're getting in there before anyone else. And what, and I, I'm kind of setting up my gear in advance. You kind of lay out your, you know how it is. You lay out your towel and all this stuff uh, because you got you to be equipped for the swim. This is like wetsuit, um, usually a cap from the race, the goggles, you know, whatever else you need. And I'm wearing flip-flops because I'm like ready to do the swim first. And, and then you got your bike, which needs bike shoes. You need socks sometimes, I guess. Um, socks, uh, helmet, glasses, right? So there's all these different things. And then the run, right? You need running shoes. You need, you need your belt with your number on it. So there's a lot, hat. There's a lot of things, right? So my brains are, if you're listening to this, your brain's mush. My brain's mush. Um, maybe you have a better way of, of managing this, man. But uh, any guesses of what critical piece of gear I forgot for this entire event? Uh, did you forget your bike? Nope. That's easy, right? It's big. I'm walking it to the, and it's like a nice used bike. It's a really cool looking bike. And yeah, no, had a bike. What else? Helmet? Had my helmet. Yeah. Well, one more guess. I'll give you one, one more. Okay. You're, uh, you're racing shorts. Had those too. I forgot oh, okay. my running shoes. Oh, yeah. That, that's kind of key. You kind of need yeah. those. Yeah. So, um, and I realized this, and I'm like, uh, and, and transitions closing, the race is like, parking lots max there's no way i can get home even though it's local get home and get them come back so i called the missus was like hey um i know she's gonna go watch the race at her friend's house that's on the on the route so i was like okay cool put my running shoes in a bag you know like a duffel bag and just when i come by i'll stick my arm out grab the shoes throw it over my backpack you know over my shoulders because it's like a local local (laughs) assistance and all but like i'll just grab the shoes that way and then i'll have them when i get back well apparently I'm such a, such a fast guy that I drove by their house, rode by their house on the bike long before they were ever there to give me my shoes. So no I got way. back to transition <laughs> too, right? I'm in there and I did, a, I'd done a, not like yours, but like for me, I'd done a great, decent swim and a great bike felt really good. Felt like yeah. I had tons of energy. And now here I am stuck in transition, walking around feeling like a loser. I, I know the feeling, <laughs> feeling like a loser because I got my hat on, got my glasses on, my numbers are on my waist and my bike's back on the rack. And it's like, and I've got my flip-flops on and I'm like, what do I do? Do I stay in transition for the another two hours until they close the race, open it back up so I can go home? Do I walk? Like, what do I do? And I was kind of like pacing around looking to see if anyone had extra shoes. I don't know what to do. And so I literally just started running in my flip-flops yes you know <laughs> like flip-flops and this these aren't like cool like athletic flip. these are like stupid little leather ones so they're like flopping as i'm running so it's like flap flap, flap. and i'm just like the most ridiculous person um feeling like an idiot but i'm like well what could happen and yeah. it wasn't until a couple people either ran by me or i ran by them which was really weird um and they're like whoa flip-flops cool Right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. It's a, it's a thing. It's like, it's like the caveman diet. It's like a thing, you know, it's a flip flop, flip flop run. And no. like, yeah, that's cool, man. That's they're no. like, that's so badass. Uh, did you have blisters or cuts? Yeah. At the end? 
yeah, good call. Fast forward. I finished it. It was really weird because I passed a few people. And when I yeah. passed them, it kind of broke them. You saw them start walking afterward because they're like, flip-flop guy passed me. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it wasn't blisters. It was like, I don't know, day later, like plantar fasciitis and like, <laughs> so it's a terrible thing. So I was like, uh, I probably should have sat there, you know, but I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm a tough guy. I'll just run in. Nah, terrible, terrible. So I, I learned that lesson. Next time I'll, I'll remember everything or just sit it out, you know? Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing, you know, triathlon is great for uh, a number of things, right? You get the health benefits, yeah. you get the operation. And then it also translates to the business stuff, right? Like it's all about proper preparation, prevent yes. support, right? It's like, you know, it's the epitome, right? And oh, yeah. the thing is, to your point, right? It's like, you know, what could you do differently? You just got to, to practice it it's behavior change right yeah. it's like holy crap my checklist you know you need like 15 things for this 15 things for that 10 for that and then you know you know you know from being in transition you know that's where you know once you get to like the elite level that's where races are won and lost really? right because yeah because you you're so you know you're dealing with you know high performance athletes yep. across everything else right so then it's like okay you know you're down to optimizing that, that little window, you know, right. of from, you know, 45 seconds to two and a half minutes. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're out on a run, you know, that 30 seconds, 10 seconds, five seconds, even one second is, is a game changer. Like I was, uh, good point. I was lucky enough to run with some really good folks back in college. Like one of my teammates, um, actually qualified for the Olympic trials in the steeplechase and finished fourth. So mm -hmm. he was, you know, um, next man down from making the Olympic team, you know, back yes. in the day. Right. And when you get to that level, you know, you have to train and work and prep and do all this stuff to optimize for like fractions and tenths of a second, right? Mm -hmm. Your entire career, you know, if you think about Olympic athletes, right, you know, all the prepping, all the training, not just in the last couple of years, but from back when you were like a little kid all the yeah. way up, you know, you gotta, you gotta seize your moment and everything has to fall into, you know, like perfect harmony and go according to plan or else it's gonna, it's, it's just gonna, not gonna, you know, end up the way you planned it or dreamed right. it. Or before, right. And that's yeah. like, well, there's so many parallels between, you know, those types of sports, which most people won't even call a sport, right? They're like, what, what do you do? You're, you're a division one athlete. I'm like, yeah, I ran track and cross country. They're like, that's not a sport. <laughs> it's running. It's running. I hate running. Nobody knows. How would you call yourself a, you know, that's not a sport. It's not, it's not a game. Yeah. But right. you know, it's definitely sport. Yeah. Right. Huh. So, uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting, man. Like, and, uh, you know, so that, that's the one piece of advice, like when it comes to triathlon and multi-sport, you got to train, you got to do the hard work, right? You know, you're not going to get faster just by going out and buying the, you know, the, the best equipment on the market. Yeah, sure. You are going to get faster, but you're not really going to get as fast as you could be if you did the work, right? You're going to cap your performance at here. Right. Okay. And when you start looking at the competition and going back to, you know, what you define as your success and your objectives and kind of where you want to be, you know, you gotta, you gotta say, Hey, is my goal, you know, not to finish last or is my goal to finish, you know, you know, middle of the pack. 
Right. Right. So it's funny, like, uh, you know, same, same college teammates, you know, decided that they were going to get together, um, you know, have like a team reunion. And, you know, I was like, oh yeah, cool. Let's, let's head out to a bar, catch up, you know, recount some stories and yeah, no, nah, these, these guys wanted to do a race. So they're like, yeah, you know, let's, let's meet up at uh, age group nationals and, you know, for masters, you know, the over 40 crowd, you know, we're all kind of in that bucket and just be like, yo, let's just get out there. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like when, when is it? December. Oh, they're like, yeah, it's cross country. So it's outdoors, December. Huh. Um, huh. Where? Hey, how Hawaii? Better not be New Hampshire. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we did, uh, you know, November, you know, last year. We, uh, we decided to, you know, get out there. Um, you know, I hadn't raced in, you know, almost five years. I kind of yeah. dusted that off. And so, like, you know, same like you, man. I was like, yeah, I don't, don't want to finish last. That was my only goal. And right. once you get a whole bunch of competitive guys together, they're like, you know, all training, you know, everybody's starting to text, you know, oh, yeah, this is what I, I did on – you know, last week, this is my mileage, you know, this is kind of, you know, me yeah. in my, uh, my running shoes, like hitting the track, you know, so everybody's kind of trying to one up themselves and just kind of, sure. you know, get everybody excited and motivated and all that stuff. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, dear God, I just, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to break. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, man, you know, and that's the thing you talk to anybody, you know, who's ever run a race, everybody, you know, out there. Has Julie done a 5K, 10K? You know, yeah. everybody's got a fantastic story. Even if it's a shitty outcome, yeah. they've got a fantastic story. And that's that's the thing I can, you know, really say for most folks, you know, you know, looking for some uh, direction and guidance in social media, right? You sure. know, focus on the story. You know, if you've got a good story to tell, um, you know, you don't need a ton of content, right? You just mm -hmm. need enough that's going to establish a connection with your audience right something that's yeah. going to resonate something that's going to be like oh yeah you know that either you know convinces me in about two seconds that you know you're selling something i want to buy it's you got something interesting that you know you want to read and or you know you got somebody saying something interesting enough that i'm going to tune in so i apologize man you're probably going to have like the lowest <laughs> amount of actually watching this thing through because man i'm I'm not, I'm not that interested. Like I, I'm not. Are you, a great why would you say that? Speaking of which I want, I need to ask you now is like, who are you? You grew up running track. Like where'd you grow up? And did you always know you're going to be in social and marketing and technology and all these things? Like take me back like little Jeremy days. Yeah. Little so Jer -Jer, you know, Jer -Jer, there you go. So a uh, little J Jeremy was happy and social and just, uh, you know, the kid whose dad set up a, a rope in the backyard and, you know, we'd really, you know, work on challenges and doing things different and getting out of the comfort zones. Like my yeah. dad was, you know, the guy who, you know, would kind of like smash myths and conventions left and right. And, you know, he would, you know, kind of yeah. hold me up in the palm of his hand and kind of just, you know, have, have fun carrying me around like this. And, you know, he would tell me stories how like, you know, the rest of the family would be like, oh my God, what the heck are you doing? You got these, yeah. Yeah. But you know, my dad and I used to, you know, spend a lot of time down in the shop. You know, he worked with wood. You know, he was in construction. Nice. Um, you know, so we uh, we did a lot. But you know, around you know the age of seven, thing my world, you know, got rocked. My parents got divorced. Mm. You know, seven. Yeah, when I was seven, right back in the eighties. 
nobody, nobody got divorced back in the eighties, like the early eighties. Right. Right. So, you know, growing up, um, you know, I, I was the, uh, the ultimate outcast, right. I was the, uh, the kid from a divorced home who was raised to be a vegetarian. Oh no. Yes. More than he liked, you know, other games. Yep. So dude, I've got a horror stories, you know, out the wazoo, you know, of kids, birthday parties and traumatic experiences and all that sort of stuff enough to kind of you know say like when it was time to choose a college i wanted to go to a party school to learn how to be social right yeah like i hear you you know so so that was the thing like i always knew i wanted to get into advertising and marketing like i watched a lot of tv growing up as a kid you know i i spent a lot of time you know learning how to be social from like arnold on different strokes So like not learning. (laughs) Well, you know what? It was learning, right? Was it? Well, yeah, because you learned how people presented themselves and spoke and talk. And so when you're in social media or in profession, right? You know, so I I went to school ultimately for interpersonal communication. What the heck is that? I basically studied, you know, one-to-one conversations and how to have a good conversation. And, you know, let me just tell you, I... I made the mistakes early in my career saying that I, you know, knew how to, how to read people or have conversations, establish touch points. And man, I, yeah, you know, if if you go around saying that is your superpower, you're going to have, you know, people looking at you like, you know, 50 ways from sideways. Right. But, you know, so I, um, I kind of architected my career knowing that this is where I wanted to go. Like in high school, I knew I wanted to go into advertising, you know, at the time it was, you know, TV, you know, and then these, what, these, like what? Why did you know that in high school? Just from all that watching that all that TV, and you're just like, yeah, seriously, man, watching yeah. all the TV. You know, I thought it was fun. I never wanted to wear a suit. You mm-hmm. know, I never wanted to be that that corporate guy. And I was like, okay, you know, I knew some people in the ad space. I didn't really know what they do, but they were just always the cool, fun guys and and gals. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Well, let me let me check that out. So I actually went to school um, interpersonal, but then I studied PR. And I went to uh, PRSSA, you know, conferences, Um, you know, my senior year, I got my Edelman t-shirt, my uh, Golan Harris hat, right? So, you know, that's where I thought I was going to go. And then I sucked at press releases. I was like the worst. PR is tough. It's weird too. You know what it was? It was um, purple pens. Purple pens were what my PR professor used to do to mark up all of our press releases that we'd write in college. And, you know, I'd, I'd get back a, a white piece of paper that, you know, looked like um, Barney, right? <laughs> Why purple? Was that just what that professor did? Yeah, that was her thing, man. She had a, that was, that was her brand. That was, everybody knew <laughs> the thing, right? And yeah. knew that, you know, you do that. I had another professor who was all about huge fun. And so, like, he would wear a shirt. Like, his whole thing was huge fun. And, you know, you'd sit there, you'd listen to it. And, you know, I, I got you know, schooled and educated by some fantastic folks earlier, you know, early on and just tried to build, you know, experiences. I worked with a lot of great teams over the years. Um, I worked for and moved on from a lot of great companies. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been trying to pick up and, you know, the best pieces to kind of put into my uh, my magic mix and secret sauce over the years. Right. And, you know, it's funny, like I, I felt in some ways I got to the top of the mountain and then, you know, got there for, 
you know, a couple months, a year or two, and then get knocked all the way down to the bottom and had to climb all the way back up. I've had, you know, you probably understand the analogies from your, your climbing adventures, but you know, it's like, uh, you know, there's only so long you can stay at the top where it's sustainable, um, you know, before, you know, somebody else is coming along or doing something else and you got to pivot, you got to find another mountain to climb. You got to do all that stuff. So, sure. you know, long story short, you know, um, I learned how to be social by, you know, going to school, you know, mm-hmm. University of Delaware, Blue Hens. That's a, that's a party school, University of Delaware? It was at the time, you know, I yeah. just, you know, had a reputation and I was like, you know what? Um, it also had a really good reputation for a good communication program, right? So I, uh, yeah. you know, I guess I uh, didn't focus enough on school early on to get into Syracuse or Penn State. You know, that's kind of where I want, you know. Anybody who wants to go into communication, you know, those are really the top top schools that you know. I will say, man, I I almost went to Syracuse and um, for PR, right? Because they're comm school, and yep. nice. and I was on their website. Arguably, this was like two thousand, but I'd been on AOL for like years at that point, and and I and I wanted to like have a chat or like send a message, send an email to the the head of the department. You know, I wanted to kind of like do that kind of plan, just find out more about the department and I couldn't see anything on their website. So when I, when I called the department, I was like, I want to email this guy. And she's like, Oh, he doesn't have an email address. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? It's so I just never applied there. Cause I was like, you guys are a little bit behind. So perhaps yeah. case in point, Delaware had a T1 connection in the dorms. Whoa. So when I graduated high school, you know, my grandparents were like, hey, what do you want for your graduation gift? I was lucky enough where, you know, they were able to do something. And they gave me some some cash. Nice. I didn't buy a car. I bought a computer. Yeah. I, I was I was one of those guys, you know, you'd see in the dorms, you know, with the, you know, the, the network games, you know, playing Quake. and. Oh, know. yeah. So it was Quake. Okay. Yeah, it was Quake Give back Starcraft. Um, nah, I didn't really get into that. I kind of moved on to other stuff. Like I was, um, I was a campus rep for, you don't know, Jack, you know, that trivia game. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So back in the day, you know, influencer programs, all that stuff. They're like, oh yeah. You know, they sent me a whole package of, you don't know, Jack posters and, you know, brand collateral. And I I just walked around campus being a a rep for those guys. Like it's, it's funny. Like I, I got my first job out of school. Like I drove around the country for four months promoting kiwi fruit. You know, it was yep. like real world, rotor rolls. We had 10 folks, you know, driving yeah. those cars and handing out fruit, you know? So that's cool. You know, it, going back to, you know, social experiments and social conversation and all that stuff, man, you, you know, to really understand your audience, you, you kind of have to either do a lot of listening and monitoring, or you got to talk to a lot of people to really understand, you know, and get folks right. and what motivates, what, what drives people, what's going to incentivize folks to, to, to click right or what's going to get people and you know excited enough to create and submit user-generated content right like right. you gotta you gotta find out what that social value exchange play is going to be and, and everybody you talk to it's, it's going to be a different mix right so it's like you know that that's what you get from talking to folks right and that's one of the yeah. biggest things you know that companies are dealing with 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 you know the situation we're all in right you know with all this remote work and folks not you know, um, able to do the, the in-person interactions, those water cooler chats all the way up to, you know, the, the sales calls to all that stuff and just trying to rely on 
hey, how do we, you know, further mm -hmm. shift our in-person experience into the digital space? And, yep. you know, you know, the real recipe is, is like, look, just, just think about how you would have it in a normal scenario and think about, you know, what the, what the benefit and the value you got out of those in-person interactions and then focus on those as the most important things to recreate online. Right. right. You know, try right. to get folks involved, you know, and, and, you know, you, you, the longest, you know, time, you know, brands were like, Oh yeah, you know, brand awareness, brand awareness, you know, and then you got the other folks going results and attribution results and attribution, you know, like the best way to play is somewhere in between. You got the content is king folks. You've got, mm -hmm. you know, all those, the best spot and the best place to play is, is in the middle, right? If you can play in the middle and just kind of speak to all those folks at the table, pull in the best mix, the best secret sauce and kind of, you know, borrow those and, and produce something unique to you, to your brand and your company. That's what's going to set you apart. Right. You know, cause if you read a podcast, well, not read a podcast. I mean, you could, if you have it, you, you know, could. The you got a transcript of one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, great for SEO, all that kind of good stuff, right? But, um, you know, you could read a blog post, you could, you know, hop on like a webinar, you could, you know, watch what we're talking about now. And, mm -hmm. you know, it really goes back to, you know, you, your situation, you got to understand what, what you're doing, what's working, what's not working, mm -hmm. what the competition is doing, what's working for them, what's not working for them. And really just kind of focus on like a core set, you know, of like three to five, you know, companies, right? Right. Yeah. You want to look outside your industry. You want to know what's happening, monitor the overall trends, you know, pull, you know, bits and pieces in from, you know, different places, you know, cause that's going to make you more unique. Right. And right. it's going to enable you to tell a better story and, and do things differently. Right. You know, don't get distracted by the shiny objects, you know, unless you've conquered the basics and, you know, have them humming and purring, you know, like a well-fine tuned engine from your operations perspective, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we can talk all day about myths around process and operations and everybody going to the content piece without even focusing on, I know. you know, getting the getting the conveyor belt in the factory line and the distribution channels and the API connections and just like the data points connected on the back end and what, what does the dashboard look like? Right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some basics that you have to have if you're going to have any, you know, sort of success out there today, right? Like real meaningful success. And so, you know, you got to constantly tinker, you got to constantly, you know, evaluate yourself, you know, look, you know, in this, this time, right, you know, do some soul searching, look inward, you know, really evaluate, ask those tough questions, you know, is this working? Is it not working? What can we do that can be better? You know, how can we deliver more value in what we're producing every day? Right. And more value, it's not so much more value for us. I mean, yeah, you got to think about, you know, value that you're going to get back, but you know, the big altruistic things really come into play is like, what value can I give to my customers, my audiences, right? And if you can kind of come up with that recipe and formula where you can actually create that win-win, you know, moment, right. Where you're mm -hmm. delivering value to your customers and your audience um, while in return you're getting equal, you know, or greater value back, you know, that's, that's unbelievable. Right. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's really what some of the best, you know, programs do out there, right. They look for that, you know, um, that one thing 
um, that that's important to their target target audience, right? They learn how to harness common themes, common you know messages, common um, denominators, right? Again, going back to the whole math equation, right? Like mm -hmm. you have to figure out what that common thing is that the most people at scale can resonate to, and then you allow people to customize it, tweak it, make it their own in a unique way, add their own flavor, their own special sauce to it. You know, this is going back to like the UGC playbook from like 2006 or, you know, way back when, you know, we'd give people templates, you know, we'd say, Hey, you know, you can take our logo, take our, um, actually, you know what, let, let me use an example from pop station, which was like probably the greatest startup that nobody ever heard about because we only, we launched, we're, you know, in market for a couple of months and then we got scuttled. Right. But yeah. the greatest probably never heard of is pop station. So we had original music and you know, what we did was we put the music up online and we would let artists join the community, download the music, and kind of re record their own unique version or variation of the song and then upload that back up into pop station and we kind of recreated the billboard charts and you could actually with you know votes and ratings get your song up the chart down the chart and turn that into a gamifications you know environment where you know at the end of a three month long contest cycle you know whoever whatever song was at the top of the charts qualified for a recording contract Right. Okay. We gave all the artists, um, you know, a promotional toolkit with their badges, their buttons to promote their song to try to get more votes on the platform as a way to kind of, you know, raise awareness for us. You know, we, we basically gave them the tools to be our number one advocates and number one, you know, promoters. And they had a vested, vested interest in it. Right. You know, right. there was a, an equal level of social value exchange. Right. And, you know, I always wanted to come up with a theory. I always wanted to publish a paper and, you know, social value exchange theory was kind of like my, my theory, right? It's yeah. like, you know, there has to be an equal value of so, social media clout or, you know, digital goods exchanged, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a like, a click, um, in exchange for, you know, yeah. a downloadable piece of content or all that, you know, you can, some kind of barter. Yeah. It is a barter system, right? That's yeah. the true way of thinking about it. And when you think about, you know, when you're producing a program, you got to keep on asking yourself, hey, am I giving a, enough value out there to get the outcomes that I'm hoping for in exchange? Yep. You know, anybody who's worked in, you know, promotions over the years or, you know, worked on a contest knows that the prize has to be relevant enough, you know, to the audience in order to get any sorts of entry, any sorts of fan participation, any sorts of stuff, right? So, you know, over the years, brands have gone big. If you worked on the Super Bowl, right? You know, the, you know, the, the best, you know, recipe of success for a number of years was just offer up Super Bowl tickets or big right. game tickets, right? And kind of get folks to their fan experiences, you know, all that stuff. Destination trips, you know, that's, that's how companies, you know, get the best results of their salespeople, right? You know, send people on these massive, amazing trips, give them, you know, spending cash, put them up in these hotels, you know, right? Well, mm -hmm. think about what's going to motivate your audience to, you know, engage with your content, you know, watch your podcast, right? And, right. you know, really look across the board, right? Look at radio, look at, you know, print, look at direct mail, right? Yeah. You know, uh, Jeffrey Clone, I don't know if you follow him, you know, big influencer, you know, Microsoft Brand Studio. Oh, all yeah, that yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, his big thing is like everything's a remix, right? And he was actually on here. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you know Jeff, he's he's awesome, right? He's I had a chance. Cool. I was I was always skeptical. So I was like, "Oh, Microsoft guy," but no, he's he's a really smart dude. Yeah, well, you know, I I was working alongside of him for a hot minute at Ogilvy, you know, our paths crossed okay. out and yeah, no, nah, the dude's authentic and you know, there's you know, there's so much truth to that, right? Everything yeah. is a remake, right? I mean, everything's borrowed. The, the innovation really is doing something new that hasn't been done, you know, at your company, with your brand, with your audience, with these tools, with this content. There's so much room for innovation out there. Everybody's looking for like the next game changer. You know, innovation doesn't have to be this massive, amazing, huge idea. It's great if it is. And, you know, big ideas across marketing is so super powerful. They can be the linchpin for your entire program, year, two years, and tie back to your brand platform, all that kind of great stuff. What I'm talking about is, you know, most folks don't realize that they can be super innovative just by doing some really simple things, by borrowing things from one place, transplanting it, and doing something unique and putting a little spin on it. Mm-hmm. right and that's you know if i have to give any advice out there for anybody at any stage of their career is you know you got to constantly look for ways to do something differently yeah. don't follow the same path that somebody else followed yeah you can follow it anecdotally and for um you know for guidance but if you walk in the exact same path that somebody else is going to walk in you're going to be living somebody else's dream and you're going to get somebody else's results. Right. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I mean, you know, the, if, if you look at the, the innovators that everybody aspires to be, you know, they're all doing something differently, something mm-hmm. unique, saying something differently, working in a different method. And, and that's the thing, you know, you they're gotta, their passion, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. their, pa- so trying to copy them, you'd be really happy if that was your passion too. But if that's not your passion, you're going to be miserable. Like you got to walk in your own shoes and remember to bring them on race day. What was that? (laughs) You got to walk in your own shoes and remember to bring them on race day. Yeah. Remember to bring your shoes. You know, I couldn't run in biking shoes. Right. So it was like, Oh, I've tried because I actually, you know, I will, I will admit I've done some really, you know, stupid stuff. You know, I have like the, I have like the the newbie ones with like the triangle on the bottom. So they're not even flat. They don't even like, No, no, man. You don't, you don't worry about that. Right. So like there's the, there's different pedals for different things. Right. And only, I actually would prefer to use mountain bike cleats. Interesting. You know, in transition before they actually came out with, you know, better triathlon specific, you know, bike shoes. Okay. Right. Mountain bike shoes. Why the heck would you buy mountain bike shoes instead of like road cycling pedals? Yeah. Same principle, right? Like you had to have something that could, you could get off the bike, run for a little bit, had a hard cleat on it, and kind of cover, you know, if the transition zone was in, you know, asphalt or cement. Good or, call. You know, right? Yeah, you had good to, call. Had to kind of figure it, you know, that the whole thing out. But, you know, you have to figure out what's going to be, you know, you, unique to you, mm-hmm. your uniqueness from a brand, your methodology, your, you know, your approach, and and show it and flaunt it. And, you know, but don't say your, your way is the only way to do stuff, right? right. You know, that's where, you know, if you go out there, you, you've got, you know, so-and-so telling you, this is the way to do it. You got another person, this is the way to do it. You'd be crazy not to do it. <laughs> you know, I live in the day, you know, I grew up in the days of crazy Eddie, man. Insane. Yeah. And you got to really, you know, balance, 
you know, all those messages, put some filters on it and really kind of boil it down to, okay, at the end of the day, you know, what's the strategy? What's the execution? Are they aligned, you know, just at the hip, you know, are they aligned with, you know, the brand? Mm-hmm. Are they aligned with the results and the data? You know, are they fully connected across the ecosystem? Do you have your personal touch points to complement your digital touch points? You know, it's not just, you know, have your digital channels, but you got to have, have the people who manage those kind of set up in your blueprint, you know, whether you're running a hub and spoke model or right. a dandelion or any of that stuff, you know, focus on your operational models, you know, focus on, you know, how you're going to do your day to day, focus on planning how you're going to spend your, your time, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, social media not being free, right? You got to plan out you know, how you're going to make the results happen, how you're going to be successful. And right. here's the thing, you know, it's funny. Like I, I love Jim Carrey movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize because I wasn't, you know, focused on it that, you know, in his later years, you know, he did one heck of a job, you know, putting out the motivational speech, you know, Oh yeah. my God, like going back and watching some of those early interviews where he's basically said he wrote himself a check for $10 million. I remember and- that. Go ahead, tell you, story. Yeah, yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy is a thing. It's a communication theory. Like if you believe something, you visualize something, you can actually go make it happen. And that's what social construction is kind of all about, right? It's social constructs or things that are shared beliefs and behaviors at scale. You get enough people thinking it, believing it, then mm-hmm. you know you can create and build reality. Right. And we don't have to get into politics or any of this other right. stuff. Plenty of other folks who've kind of gone down that path to kind of fabricate, you know, alternative realities and facts and all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, we can spend another like five hours talking about, you know, um, how to safeguard your brain from all the competing signals and Dude. the power of disconnecting. Right. You're, you're, you're incredible. You're insane i love it i feel like i could talk to you all day and learn from you but like if you looked at the time we've warped through it all so we're just gonna have to have you come back in like the Whoa. winter time and then you can help me figure out how to train in the winter when i can't get outside <laughs> and run yeah but, go ahead. For you. yeah go ahead what's that bike train peloton any of that stuff but but dude it's been a blast and you know, like, i'll do that yeah yeah my, my buddy was like there's no way what the heck are you going to talk about for an hour and a half I'm yeah like, dude, dude, dude there's some things we didn't even get a chance to talk about so that, there's like yeah. plenty to go but hey real quick throw out um where can people connect with you links uh sure. linkedin social media urls all that stuff the construction all that yep so if you know how to spell my name you can pretty much find me anywhere so i was one of those folks who was blessed with uniqueness with a name right my yeah. parents give me you know jeremy murator you can Google it and for better or for worse, I'm the only one you're going to find. Nice. Dude. You know, I know of, right? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, you can probably still find my MySpace page, but please don't go there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, you'll just, just Google me and you'll find me in my, uh, my awesome. business. You know, I'm starting up some new things, social construction, um, you know, as a, as a consultant practice, you know, you may see me pop up, but you know, it's, it's funny. I've, I've taken a hiatus from most social activity. This is actually, believe it or not, dude, it's my, um, my first podcast slash video cast. Okay, so cool. Let me know how I did. You crushed it. All new for me, man. Totally crushed it. Yeah. 
You need your and, own podcast, man. Ah, uh, you know, we'll get there. But again, I've got, I've got to get the basics done first, you know? Okay. So like, I'm trying to drink my own Kool-Aid, right? You know, sure, I gotta, yeah, yeah. I got to get some, some of the basics done first before I can do the fun stuff. Right. And it's that work ethic, you know, that's pretty much defined, you know, the blueprint of, of my career. So I, I got to get to work, man. I, I really got to get going to reverse there. engineer it, right? Exactly. I, I got, I got my vision board, you know, now I just got to make it happen and connect the dots yeah. and, and get there. But you know, Casey, it's been a blast, man. Can't thank you enough for having me Absolutely, on the show. Um, hopefully, you know, you found it interesting and there was some value. I know, uh, Hell yeah. Monotone and relaxed, you know. You just chill guy. Did you did you uh did you swim this morning? No. Um I had to take a break. My um you know, that three month sprint to get me race ready for nationals back in November um led to some uh some cranky Achilles. So I had to take a couple of months. Oh dude, it's it's all good. I'll I'll get back out. But uh yeah, I actually finished middle of the pack. I went from no races for five years to middle of the pack and you know i, I was proud that i didn't finish last right so you know. right for the people listening if you learn something and i know you did because i literally have two pages of notes over here front and back then share this with someone else linkedin's great for that be a thought leader share it with like 90 people 104 3002 whatever and but put your takeaways on the top put what your thoughts are tag myself tag jeremy we'll hop in there we'll start a good conversation and that's how you show show that social leadership that social value that jeremy was talking about so hey man it's been awesome we'll have to have you come back on here talk some more shop more video games and have a good time yeah man we didn't get to the fun stuff so uh, Uh, i know i know it's so much to talk about right you know i I love work this is fun for me so man anytime you want to chat anytime you know, I'm, uh, I'm game. I'll make time for you. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Thank you. Anytime, man. For those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.